All right, what is going on, everybody? This is your man, L. Jamal, about to come through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Today, we got a word on the street segment. We got you guys up to date on what's going on on the national level, of course, uh, with Trump and the impeachment, a couple other things uh, going on in the news world. But today, I'm getting you guys caught up on all the sporting news. Of course, I'll be going through the NFL today. I'll be talking some college football, and then I'll wrap everything up with some NBA action as well uh, but let's get right into it of course like I said with some NBA news and this we got the first story is coming out of Jacksonville and it's looking like the Jaguars are gonna be letting go of Tom Coughlin uh, they will be letting him go as the team's vice president of team operations not only are the Jags five and nine on the year and looking to miss the playoffs yet again the NFL Players Association also uh, basically has released many statements warning players of excessive fines and player grievances um, Regarding, uh, well, uh, and these are all players, pretty much uh, players coming from Jacksonville. A couple examples of that uh, will be Leonard Fournette, who recently had a uh, $1,000, I'm sorry, a $99,000 fine rescinded by the Players Association uh, for basically si uh, for basically sitting on the bench uh, while being inactive last season. He was he was uh, fined $99,000 by the Jacksonville front office. Um, again, that was egregious. Uh, he also got linebacker Dante Fowler, who was fined who's fined I'm sorry 25 times for about $700,000 for rehabbing outside of Jacksonville facilities he also uh, had that um, had those fines uh, eliminated as well and the NFL Players Association like I said association like I said has been warning players uh, potential free agents uh, about signing with Jacksonville so I think with the record uh, with the difficulties that it's been to make the playoffs for the couple last couple years and now with the NFL PA basically warning players about coming here. Uh, it looks like management or I will say upper management and the owner uh, there in Jacksonville decided to make uh, a change there. More than one third of all player grievances uh, have been filed by current or former Jacksonville players. A little bit of background on the top, uh, Tom Coughlin. Uh, the owner, team owner Shia Khan uh, would actually hire uh, Coughlin again in 2017 after the team had just won uh, 17 games in five seasons. After Coughlin would arrive, uh, Jacksonville would, would uh, go to four straight playoff um, well, four straight playoffs, and also they would have two conference championship appearances as well. So they didn't win any. They didn't win the conference championship, uh, but they were able to get there. They also had a couple playoff, a few playoff runs as well. Uh, Tom Coughlin also coached there during the '90s as well, when the team first uh, was established. I believe between 1996 and '98, something like that. Almost maybe until 2000, I think actually, uh, before he went to New York. Uh, so he had he had some um, some long-standing history with this team. So which is kind of weird as to why this you know this saga uh, played itself out the way that it did uh now over the off season uh Talk, uh, Coughlin will try to make some changes at the quarterback position. Of course, uh, one of the main uh, one of the main um, aspects of their game that was tying them down the past couple years happened. The quarterback play of Blake Bortles, uh, he had fallen off the face of a cliff. Uh, he had started to get his game right in 2017, I believe, but it just didn't work out uh, the next year in 2018. So during the offseason, uh, the Jags made a move to bring in Nick Foles, uh, but he actually suffered an injury 
the season opener. So uh, they really didn't have enough. They really didn't have a lot of his services uh, so far this year. Nick Foles has had just three touchdowns and two interceptions, of course, this is after signing a five-year, uh, about I think 80 million plus uh, dollar, a dollar, a million dollar contract. So again, also oh, yes, it was four years, 88 million dollars. So again, uh, not a lot of production there, and it looks like. Uh, Again, and it just a, a lot of drama uh, with the team as well. Of course, you uh, you got to talk about defensive back Jalen Ramsey, who forced his trade earlier this year. He's now playing with the Rams. And you also got linebacker Telvin Smith, uh, one of the better tacklers on that team the past three or four seasons. He just decided to up and walk away from football entirely uh, at the start of this year. He just upped and retired. So uh, a lot of drama coming from Jacksonville. And again, I just thought it was just kind of weird because again, uh, this guy had so much history here, that being Tom, uh, Tom Coughlin. Again, he, he was basically, the, he was uh, part of the team's franchise when it was first in, uh, first incepted, when it was first established. So uh, for him to have this history, to have this this past couple of years or so, or however long this drama has been going on, uh, to be a fixture in that team for so long, and then to, you know have have the story play out as as much as it did, you know, and him being pretty much the bad guy, I think it's unfortunate. But again, I, I've heard some uh, some horror stories about how he just just throws fines at people, and nobody just wants to just play excessive fines just to play football. I, I get that. Uh, so uh, looks like uh, Jacksonville will be making some more changes in the offseason. Uh, there is a word that there could be some uh, uh, changes, excuse me, within the coaching staff as well. So head coach uh, Doug Marone could be gone by the end of the season. So more changes changes to be made in Jacksonville. Uh, but let's move on. We have an injury report to go over real quick. We're going to start off in Dallas with quarterback Dak Prescott. Uh, he actually injured his shoulder uh, in last week's game. Um, and he has been limited in practice. And this is due to a sprained AC joint. Like I said, it is a shoulder. Uh, but however, this is, but there is no damage to his rotator cuff. So he is okay there. Uh, like I said, he was limited in practice yesterday, but he has not been ruled out Sunday versus the Eagles. And on top of that, he hasn't missed a start. Uh, he hasn't missed a start excuse me, since the start of his career. So again, he's looking to keep that Ironman streak going. Uh, there's, unless there's anything, you know, any pain that comes up with the next few days or you just can't feel the ball i expect for him to play uh they had the backup here cooper rush he's only played five snaps this whole season i don't look for him to get in there and if he does i would say spell trouble that's 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 the only thing i would say uh i think uh the cowboys have a good shot at, at winning this sunday as long as Dak prescott plays and finally uh we got uh defensive nd ford out of san francisco uh the Niners pass pressure has been ruled out for the rest of the season after re-aggravating a, a hamstring injury a couple weeks ago in the 48 to 46 win uh versus new orleans uh, he's also dealing with a quad injury as well well, Ford, however, is stated to be available for postseason play, uh, and he is six. He has six and a half sacks this year. He also has two forced fumbles, and this is, of course, uh, after being added to the squad over the offseason. He was signed uh, to a multi-million dollar deal, so he had a. He has. He's having a good season so far. He'll be missing the past couple of days, but I, the past couple of games. But I don't think the Niners need him. Just I don't think the Niners need him that bad. Uh, but he'll be back 
and ready to go come playoff time, which is when they're going to definitely need them. Uh, I got a couple key matchups going into week 16, of course. Uh, these are the last two games of the season. Uh, I think these teams are going to make them count. Uh, but I have three key matchups here going into week 16. The first one I have is the Bills versus the Patriots. The Bills coming into this one 10 and 4. The Patriots, of course, are 11 and 3. This is going to be the AFC West, uh, sorry, the AFC East crown right here. Uh, the Bills, um, They've come a long way. I don't think they've had a record like this in a long time. Uh, a lot has been said about the quality of opponents that they played. Of course, I talked about a little bit about the quality of opponents that they played this year. Uh, but they've uh, definitely, within the past couple of weeks, uh, gotten some legit wins. I don't know if that pushed them over the top against the Patriots. I thought, well... I repeat, I, I, I'll take that back. I'm pretty confident in the Bills this time around. I actually said in, the, in a rematch uh, that they would beat the Patriots. I'm going to I'm gonna stand by that. I like the way that the Bills have been paying, uh, playing great defense. They're playing light out, lights out defense. And I think the Bills just have enough creases within our offense uh, to maybe steal a bye touchdown. Maybe three, or maybe maybe do enough to get a field goal, field goal win. Uh, but I actually got the Bills winning this one. It might not be a super upset or whatever, but I definitely got the Bills pulling this one out. Uh, up next, I have the Saints versus the Titans. This is a very important match between two. Well, we know the Saints have already uh, shored up their playoff spot. They already have the division, uh, but for Tennessee, this is a chance for them to potentially get a playoff spot for themselves. I think Tennessee is going to come in there hungry. They have a home game. You got Ryan Tannehill playing, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, above and beyond his potential but he's definitely playing up to his potential and he's definitely playing good football i do like the titans running game the saints are missing a few key players defensively it could go either way but i do think the saints have a higher powered offense that might get them through just just by the skin of their chinny chin chin uh, i do not think uh i do not think tennessee can score in the, in volume like uh like new orleans can i think if new orleans has a has a pretty uh, good first or second quarter where they score a few touchdowns three or more touchdowns in a quarter i think they could that could be enough for them uh to pull off a, a, a somewhat easy win against tennessee but tennessee is going to come in there hungry tennessee is going to come in there looking uh for some some sort of an upset and do not be surprised if that game is closer than it may than you may think uh finally we have here the packers and the vikings this is going to be a great nfc north matchup we got the uh, vikings coming here at 10-4 of course the packers are 11 and 3 this one is going to be a little bit difficult as well because, of course, there's a lot of things. Uh, there's a lot of things that the Packers don't do great. However, they're leading their division and they're ten and three. Uh, I would say that they're middle of the road uh, in terms of running the ball. I definitely think the Vikings can do that a lot better. Uh, I definitely think the uh, the Vikings do have better receivers uh, with Stephon Diggs, and when you add Kyle Rudolph at the tight end spot, and of course you have Adam Thielen, who should be held. Uh, coming into this week uh, you do have that factor um, I think the biggest question I guess is going to be the match between uh, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins um, a, a lot of times you do not see just for what it's worth the big time prime time uh, matchups on Sunday or whether it be Thursday you don't really see uh, Kirk Cousins best game 
Uh, this is going to have to change. I think he's going to have to, of course, have a game where he throws no interceptions. I think he's going to have to have at least three or four touchdowns. And I think the pack, I think the Vikings uh, will still uh, be have to win this by at least a field goal or, you know, maybe sneaking a touchdown here, uh, you know. Uh, but either way, I think the margin of victory for either team will be a field goal or a touchdown. Um, as much as I think the Packers might have the inferior team, I just, the records don't lie. The, rec, uh, the, the Packers are on top of the NFC North, so uh, you have to give them some, some props there. I, I, you know, this game could go either way. Um, I do like how, um, I do like, uh, what Minnesota does bring offensively, like I said, Dalvin Cook is one of the leading rushers in the league uh, in terms of getting some touchdowns, in terms of getting yardage. He's one of those top running backs right now. Uh, I, I think it, you, you might even want to break down the defenses. I think you might have some edges there for the Vikings as well. I think I like their pass rush with the nail hunter. But then you got the, the the Packers with some really great linebackers. Of course, we know about the Smiths. So uh, it's a hard one. I'm I'm hmm. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. I know the Vikings don't normally win games like this in the past few years. This is why they haven't brought home a conference title or whatever have you. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Vikings this year. Um, I, I just I just think at this point in the year they look a little bit in my opinion, more dynamic, meaning they have a whole lot more going on in terms of how they can score. They have good wide receivers. They have good running backs. They have a better running game. Um, the quarterback situation, the quarterback question is up in the air, in my opinion, but I just think that Kirk Cousins has been playing better. He just looks a lot better. So I'm going to give the Vikings an edge in this one by at least a touchdown or a field goal, either or, but it's going to be a close, cold weather uh, game unless they're yeah it's gonna be a close cold weather game that's that's the, that's the best that I can give it all right y'all I'm gonna be uh, take a quick break and when I come back I'll be talking some college football uh, of course we have to go over some of the ball games that we have coming up today of course we are in the midst of ball seasons so we're going over some ball games we're going over the college football playoff uh, we got some New Year's six ball games to talk about of course we'll be talking about the Heisman and uh, when we start everything up we'll be talking some Army versus Navy of course that is the last game uh, the last official game of the college football season so we're going to recap all of that and uh, of course like I said we'll be finishing everything off today with some NBA action all right y'all I'll be right back What is going on? I am back. We're going to be talking some college football for a little while. And before I get into anything, I wanted to get into the last game of the year. The last official game of the year, of course, uh, the regular season, that is. And we got Army versus Navy. Of course, this is for all my people in the service. I also got some family within uh, the Army as well. So this is a shout out to them. Shout out to all those who uh, sacrifice and uh you know, serve their country uh, through the military. I want to talk about this game here. Uh, this was, of course, like I said, this is the final official game of the regular season. Uh, this is for the Commander in Chiefs uh, trophy. They've been having the game for at least 150 plus years, ever since it's been college football, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but for a very long time, it's a long storied rivalry. So let's get into it. Uh, this year's edition ended with a 31 to 7 Navy victory. Uh, let's break down the stats in this one. Uh, for Army on offense, they were led by quarterback. 
quarterback Strick, uh, Christian Anderson. He went two for eight, uh, two for four, excuse me, for 18 yards. He also had 56 rushing yards and a touchdown. One thing you will notice about the service academies, I don't care whether it's Air Force, I don't care about Army or uh, Air Force Army, I'm sorry, or the Navy. Uh, and this is no shot at them, uh, but if you're looking at the numbers like, wow, two for four, for Pat two for four passing, don't worry about it. They run triple run offenses. They run the ball. That is how they get. That is how they do their thing. Whether it be the Navy, Army, or Air Force, they run the ball. They're triple threat options, pass, repass sometimes, uh, repass options every now and again. But they're mostly about running the ball around on you. That's how they do it all three schools um running backs uh shannon mccoy and also connor slomka would have 21 rushing yards and a leading receiver uh was wide receiver camden harrison who had two catches for 18 yards on defense uh the army black knights were led by linebackers eric smith who had 12 total tackles and also line uh, also cole christensen who had nine total tackles in the sack for navy offensively they were led by a uh, wide receiver chance warren who had a touchdown pass quarterback Malcolm Perry would have 304 rushing yards for two touchdowns. Like I said, they're primary, primarily rushing offenses. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, all three of them run similar to like a Georgia Tech triple option where uh, you got two running backs getting, you know, getting some carries. You even got a fullback in there probably getting some carries. And of course, the quarterback uh, is going to get some carries as well. That's just how they do it. Um, so they're going to have, you're going to have some, you're going to have a couple players with almost 100 rushing yards. It's liable. You're liable to have that. You even have able to have well in this case you had the quarterback with 304 rushing yards and a couple touchdowns that's liable to happen with a triple option offense i love it uh again it, it, if it's effective i mean for this team and for army and navy and, and those guys it works for them for georgia tech it's worked for for many years so you don't want you don't judge it you just say hey that's what it is. Um, you also got fullback Jamel Carruthers getting 73 yards on the ground. He also had a, actually 75 rushing yards. He also had a touchdown on the ground, and he also caught a touchdown pass as well. For the midshipmen on defense, they were led by their linebackers as well. Jake, uh, Jake Springer would have seven total tackles in the sack. Uh, Diego Fago would have eight total tackles in the sack as well. And linebacker Tyler Pistorio would have an interception. Now, this game was not without some controversy, of course. Course, this is a rivalry game, but apparently Army is doing an investigation for white power hand symbols that were being shown throughout the game. Really, really, guys, are we racist in the military? Y'all know we have to fight, fight for America, right? We all on the same page. At least I hope we are. Um, I don't know how. Um, I don't know what that investigation is going to entail. If it is some type of really big drama story, I'll, I'll cover it here. But uh, just know that uh, the army is investigating some race, racial, uh, racial drama uh, to some extent at that game, and it's a little bit unfortunate because, of course, like I said, it's a great rivalry game. Uh, two service academies. You know, these guys after this, after this is done. Uh, after this game is done, for some of these guys, they'll never be playing football again. Uh, they'll have to go overseas and serve in the military in some type of capacity, which is their choice. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, putting them down. This is why we should talk about a game like this. This is why I think we should break a game like this down because, again, they don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, they're not going to get a whole lot of pub outside of this. They're not going to, you know, outside of maybe some military stuff. Some of these guys, you know, you know, again, they're going to the military to become your your generals and all that. You'll hear about them, you know, maybe. A Another, in another way at some point but you know 
give him some love. I'm gonna give him some love on the football side of things. These guys, uh, they get these guys, you know, whether I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you, I'm not the first person to support war. Uh, I'm not the biggest, you know, war supporter out there. But for these guys, they do risk their lives. I respect what they do, and I'll never take that away from them based on my beliefs. So uh, we're gonna move on though. Uh, we're gonna talk some uh, Heisman Trophy. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Heisman Trophy. Of course, there's some drama about that as well. So of course, for those of you who do not know, but many of you, I'm pretty sure, if you follow college football, you do know, uh, Mr. Joe Burrow, uh, quarterback from LSU, is our new Heisman Trophy winner for 2019. He beat out Ohio State quarterback Justin Field. He also beat uh, out. Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts, and he also beat out defensive end Chase Young from, of course, Ohio State. Now, uh, there is some drama behind this, of course. There's some minor drama, of course. You have some a fringe, a fringe uh, number of fans saying, oh, you know, he... You know, Justin feels this, and he beat Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts hasn't, you know... He's won two. He's won conference titles in two different conferences. He's going to be in the national championship well, he's gonna be in the comp. He's gonna be in the the college football playoff again. Justin Field, he had monster numbers. Chase Young, he deserved it too. I don't understand where all that narrative comes from. Uh, I'm going to flat out say it. Joe Burrow earned his MVP. Uh, I'm not going to listen to anybody put any other type of race connotations on there. Not everything has to do with race, uh, especially this is a when I mean, this is a trophy that black players have won every other year. Just about we win this trophy all the time, black athletes. Whether you go back to the '70s with running backs like Archie Griffin, uh, you you got you know you got all sorts of players that have won. Even recently, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Hurts has won one. Or if not him, uh, there's oh, Troy Smith of Ohio State. For you know, if we're talking about black athletes, but there's been plenty of black athletes to win this award. You also had Marcus Mariota, who's not of African descent or of Caucasian descent, win the award. So again, all this narrative of race, I think a lot of times y'all need to shut that shit down because it discredits it when it's really valid. So you need to let that, whoever's whoever's complaining about that, please let it go. Uh, Joe Burrow had superior stats to all to both the quarterbacks. Uh, the last, uh, this season, he had a 77.9 completion percentage. Hertz would have a 71.8. Fields would have a 67.5 uh, uh, completion percentage. Uh, as far as passing yards go, Burrow beat them there. He had 4,715 yards compared to Justin Fields, 2,953, and also Jalen Hurts, 3,634. As far as uh, touch, uh, touchdowns go, passing touchdowns, that is, uh, Joe Burrow, again, he beat them there. 48 touchdowns uh, for Burrow, 40 touchdowns for Justin Fields, and also 32 for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts would uh, have some, would, well, he is a dual-threat quarterback, which I can see why people would want, uh, would, you know, would have some, put some feelings toward him and, and it would want to vote for him uh, uh, at some point. Uh, he did have uh, 1,200, sorry, 1,825 yards um, on the ground and also 18 touchdowns. So I will give you that. I will give you that. I will concede and give you that that point. Uh, Joe Burrow did win by a significantly large margin. I believe he won 90, 95% of the vote. Uh, and with a season that Jalen Hurts had, I could see Jalen Hurts getting a little bit more love. Uh, but, 
you know, I, again, he's a dual threat quarterback, and I'll give you that. Uh, but Joe Burrow finished his season undefeated. This is this is the whole thing. Joe Joe Burrow finished undefeated. He had, if I'm not mistaken, four victories against top ten opponents. Uh, and on top of that, Jalen Hurts lost. He lost to uh, Kansas State. So uh, you have that on your on your uh, on your um, on your resume for this year. Joe Burrow's undefeated. If we want to talk about passer rating, Joe Burrow has that too. Uh, Joe Burrow has a 201.5 pass rating. Justin Field had a 190.3. And Jalen Hurts was a little bit behind uh, Burrow with a 200.3 pass rating. So in, in every passing metric, Burrow was better. Uh, he was undefeated. Uh, he had a 48 to 6 touch, uh, touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, his 48 touchdowns was an SEC record. Uh, his uh, 4,715 yards was an SEC record. So records being broken. Uh, and on top of that, I believe, I want to say that pass rate was a NCAA record. So, uh, again, he broke records. These guys had phenomenal seasons, but they did not break records. I mean, what can you say? And on top of that, Joe Burrow finished undefeated. Period. Now, Justin Fields finished undefeated as well, but as you can see, Joe Burrow's numbers are are, are you know, are superior. As far as, you know, Chase Young, he had 44 tackles, 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, seven force fumbles, all great uh, records by all great numbers, excuse me, all great numbers for a defensive lineman, a defensive end uh, that's looking to get drafted first in the draft, uh, looking to get picked first in the draft. I totally get it. Uh, but I don't think he had the same impact that Joe Burrow had. Joe Burrow, uh, last year, his numbers were far removed from what they were this year. He had an immediate just rise. He, it's almost meteoric. And again, he broke multiple records. You earned that. He earned that. There was no, oh, we're just going to give it to him because he's the white boy. No, he he, he actually broke records within his conference. Justin Fields, uh, for as great of a season he, he had, he did not do that. Just saying. And he came up short in terms of touchdowns. He came up short in passing yards. He came up short in completion percentage. Jalen Hurts, same thing. Now, mind you, he's a dual threat quarterback, so there's a lot of things running the ball that he did that, that the two of these quarterbacks did not do. Sure. But he lost a very big and significant game to Kansas State. So you gotta you gotta take that with it. But let's move on. We have a couple more awards to go over as well. Uh, Burrow uh, Burrow had a great awesome year. Uh, he would all, not only take away the Heisman, but he also would pick up the Maxwell and Walter Camp Awards, which are basically Player of the Year awards. He also picked up the Davey O'Brien Award for the best quarterback. Uh, in terms of the, uh, some other awards, like I said, we have some more awards to go over. We have the Doak Walker Award for the best running back. That will go to Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin for those you who've been following me this is no surprise that's all i talk about when i bring up wisconsin he is six all-time in the big 10 in terms of rushing with 6,080 6, yards he also had 15 50 career touchdowns this season he will run for 1,909 yards and 21 touchdowns up next we have the bolitnikoff award for the best wide receiver that will go to joe burrow's teammate jamal chase you want to speak to you want to you, you really need more evidence as to why Joe Burrow won the Eisman. He basically got his teammate the Bolitnikoff Award. He made his he made his teammate the best wide receiver in the country. Oh, how how why does everything have to be about race with y'all? Man, 
Jamar Chase out of LSU would have 73 catches this season for 1,498 yards and also 18 touchdowns, which led the league. If I'm not mistaken, well, if I know led the SEC, if I'm not mistaken, led all of college football. Get off Joe Burrow dick. He won it fair and square. That's what I'm gonna say. We're gonna move on to the defensive player, uh, defensive awards here. The defensive player of the year award, of course, goes to Chase Young out of Ohio State. We already talked about what he did. He won both the Nagurski and the Big Derrick Award, which of course is for the best defensive players overall. And as far as the best linebacker in the country, that would uh, that would be the Dick Buckus Award. And this season, it went to Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. This year, he had 58 total tackles for six sacks. He also had well, a forced fumble and two interceptions and we already know about the margin of victory that Clemson was winning by shutting teams out keeping teams at like 10 points Isaiah Simmons was a definite part of that he is looking to be a top pick in the first in this first round of the draft as well and he's one of the reasons why Clemson is where they are so and, and before I uh, get away from the awards, uh, the last award I wanted to talk about was Coach of the Year, uh, presented by Home Depot, and that went to your boy Ed O'Geron, of course, out of LSU. Uh, that was my pick uh, for Coach of the Year. We already know about LSU finishing the year, I believe it was 14-0, 13-0, undefeated. Of course, they have the Heisman winner. They have the best wide receiver in the country uh, with Jamar Chase. Uh, he had one of the best scoring offenses in the nation this year. I believe it was uh, first or second, something like that. But they were almost averaging, averaging about 50 points a game. Uh, the best passing offense in the nation, uh, hands down. Uh, the running game was not that was not to be sneezed at either. Uh, I know that was top 10. Uh, defensively, of course, there were some questions there defensively. They had a, a few games where they just gave up a whole lot of points. But uh, LSU was, was able to take care of who they were who was put in front of them. And again, they had about four big threes versus top 10 uh, teams. So you cannot take that away. They had a pay. Uh, they had victories versus Auburn, Alabama, uh, in a conference championship game. They beat on uh, Georgia. So, again, you cannot take away anything from that team. Ed O'Geron uh, was well-deserved, well-deserving of that award as well. Uh, but let's move on. Of course, we have some ball games to talk about today. Uh, we have a few uh, that are going to be coming on. We have uh, two, to be exact. We have um, the Bahamas ball, uh, which is going to put two 75 teams together, Buffalo and Charlotte. Uh, we also have the Miami Beach ball uh, as well with Utah State, who's 7-5. They will be taking on Kent State, who is 6-6. Six six. On Saturday, we have a few uh, major ball games as well. Uh, first and foremost, we have Central Michigan taking on San Diego State. Michigan, Central Michigan, excuse me, uh, comes into this one 8-5. San Diego State will be 9-3. Up next, we have the Boca Raton ball, one of my favorite teams of the year. Uh, really a true and feel-good story here. SMU, a.k.a. Southern Methodist, Southern Methodist University, 10-2 and two on the year. Uh, they will be taking on Florida Atlantic, another team who's turned a lot of things around, who's having a positive uh, past few years as well. Uh, up next, we have the Las Vegas ball. Uh, number 19, Boise State, who is 12-1, will be taking on 7-5 and five Washington. This is going to be a key game. Well, this is going to be an interesting game to watch here because uh, Washington's head coach, Chris Peterson, this will actually be his final game. Uh, he decided to step down uh, due to anxiety, stress, and all those things. And he will be uh, more focused. Uh, will he will be focusing on a, I believe it will be a behind the scenes type of position there in Washington and Seattle. He will no longer be 
on the sidelines as the Huskies head coach. Uh, this is this is really strange because again, Boise State was a team he was coaching for many years before he went to Washington. So uh, this will be a bittersweet game probably for both teams. Uh, both teams have some history with the man. So a very uh, very interesting game here at the Las Vegas Ball. But let's move on. We have the big time ball matchups, aka the New Year Six. On uh, we're gonna start off with the Goodyear Cotton Ball. This will be played on Saturday, December 28th at noon. Number 17 Memphis will be heading up against Penn State. I think that's a very intriguing matchup. We got Conference USA versus Penn State, a team in Memphis that scores a lot of points that score points in, in ways that I don't think Penn State. You know, it's not in the conventional sense, so Penn State might be a little bit uh, confused with that offense, but Penn State is going to bring, bring a great defense uh, with some linebackers who can hit. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, we also got the uh, Capital One Orange Ball on Monday, December 30th at 8, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. On the, on the West Coast. We got number nine, Florida, facing off against number 24, Virginia. Another interesting matchup between teams you don't really see play each other too much. So I don't know uh, how to call that one. Up next, we have the Rose Ball. This we played on January the 1st, aka New Year's Day, about 5 p.m. on the Eastern Coast, on the Eastern Time Schedule, 2 p.m. on the West Coast. Of course, we have number six, Oregon, taking on number eight, Wisconsin. We also got the All-State Sugar Ball, going to be played that same day, a little bit later, about 8.45 Eastern Time. You'll have uh, number five, Georgia, facing off against number seven, Baylor. And now off to the college football playoff. We're going to talk about the semifinals, of course, the first matchup uh, will be in the Chick-fil-A Peach Ball. Everybody's second favorite chicken sandwich. Uh, they will be hosting a Peach Ball game. Of course, this will be December the 28th at 4 p.m. slash 1 p.m. Uh, of course, number four, Oklahoma will be facing off against number one, LSU, in the ATL. And finally, we got the PlayStation Fiesta Ball. That will be played December 28th uh, at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, of course. And number three, Clemson, will be facing off against number two Ohio State so that leaves a national championship to be played Monday January 13th all right y'all I am going to take another quick break and when I come back I'll be breaking down some NBA action no 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 big news to go over so we'll be going over the scores from last night as well as the standing so I'll be right back Hey everybody, let's wrap this up for today. I got some NBA action to go over. Of course, like I said, there's no real news to go over today, but I'll be going over the scores from last night as well as the standings. We're gonna start off with the Eastern Conference with the Heat getting it done against the Sixers 108 to 104. Uh, they are now 28-8 on the year, and the Sixers are now 20-9. Let's break down the stats real quick for the Heat. They were led by the rookie Kendrick Nunn, who had 26 points. Five assists and four rebounds. Ford, Bam Adebayo would have 23 points, nine rebounds, and five assists. And guard Duncan Robinson would have 15 points. For the Sixers, Joel Embiid would lead the way for them with 22 points, 19 rebounds, and three assists. Ford, Tobias Harris would have 20 points, four assists, and two rebounds as well. And uh, Ben Simmons and, Je and Josh Richardson would both have 17 points. And six of six. Moving on, we got uh, the Raptors getting it done against the Pistons, 112 to 99. The Cavaliers get a two-point win over the Hornets, 100 to 98. We got the Bulls getting it done in overtime against the Wizards, 110 
110 to 109. Up next, we have a Western Conference matchup between the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. The Pelicans get the win in that one, 107 to 99. We also got the Grizzlies beating the Thunder last night. Actually, the Thunder beating the Grizzlies last night, 126 to 122. Up next, we have an inter. Oh no, not yet. Yes, we have two interconference matchups uh, to go over real quick. The Nuggets beat the Magic, 113 to 104. We also got the Celtics getting done against the Mavericks, 109 to 103. The Celtics are 18 to 7. The Mavericks are now eight to the nine. Uh, in this one, Celtic, uh, sorry, in this one, Kimball Walker, uh, Kimball Walker will lead all scores with 32 points, five assists, and three, sorry, five rebounds and three assists. Jalen Brown would add 26 points and nine rebounds, and Jason Tatum would add 24 points and eight rebounds for himself. While for the Mavericks, Kristaps Porzingis would be the leading scorer with 23 points and 13 rebounds, and Seth Curry would add 20, not Steph, but Seth Curry would add 20 points. With four rebounds and also two assists. And finally, we got a Western Conference matchup between the Warriors and the Blazers. The Blazers uh, get the win in this one, 122 to 112. The Blazers move to 12 and 16 on the year. The Warriors are a paltry 5 and 24. For the Warriors, they were led, of course, offensively by D'Angelo Russell. He would have 26 points and seven rebounds. Uh, Glenn Robinson would have 17 points and four rebounds. I'm sorry. Uh, Yes, yes, uh, 17 points and 4 rebounds, and guard Alec Burks would have 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. For the Blazers, CJ, actually Dane will lead the way with 31 points, 13 assists, and also 5 rebounds. CJ would have 30 points and 5 rebounds and 3 assists, and Carmelo would have 17 points and 8 rebounds, and Hassan Whiteside would have 16 points and a monster game on the boards with 23 rebounds. Let's move on to the standings. We're going to start off with the Eastern Conference and the, and the Bucks are on top, of course. 24 and 4 is their record, but they currently lead the NBA point differential with a plus 13.4. They are pretty much handling teams everywhere that they go. And uh, they are the only team next to the Lakers that are top five in offensive and defensive rating. So you guys keep that in mind when you want to trash the Lakers right now. You want to be all over LeBron's, be negative about everybody. Uh, People are good this year. These teams are good. At number two, we have the Celtics here at 18 and seven. They are four and a half games back. The Heat are 20 and eight. Uh, they are number three in the East. Uh, they, they recently made a switch to a zone defense. They did that last night versus the Sixers. It was able to get them a win. Let's see if they hold that. Let's see if they hold on to that for a while or they, they switch it back up. We don't know, but there are some changes being made. They also have the saga. They, uh, they also have the negative. The, they also have the never ending saga right now of uh, Deion Waiters not playing. He's been sitting out. They've been having drama with him, uh, but not too much from this team. But they are third in the East right now. At number four, we have the Raptors here at 19 and 8. At number five, we have the Sixers at 20 and 9. At six, we have the Pacers at 19 and 19. And at seven, we have the Nets at 15 and 12. And at the bottom here, we have the Magic, who are 12 and 16, eight games back. And as you would expect, they are uh, one of the lower-rated teams in terms of offensive and defensive ratings. Just just pointing that out there. Uh, let's move on to the Western Conference where we have Lakers here at 24 and 4. Yes, everybody tomorrow how LeBron is old. LeBron was going to fall off, but they maintain a three and a half game on 
the Western Conference against the Clippers, who are 21 and 8. Uh, number three, we have the Nuggets here at 18 and 8. At four, we have the Mavericks at 18 and 9. At number uh, five, we have the uh, the Rockets here at 18 and 9 as well. At six, we have the Magic at six. Uh, sorry, not the Magic, but the Jazz at 16 and 11. And at number seven, we have the Thunder at 13 and 14. And with 11 and a half games back, we have the Kings at the eighth place spot, 12 and 15 on the year. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, I should be back within the next couple of days. I have some more reviews over, uh, more uh, movie reviews to go over with you guys. Of course, I recently saw the new Jumanji. I'm going to talk about that. Um, and, of course, we're going to be updating you guys. Well, I'm going to be updating you guys on this impeachment process. Of course, uh, the House, uh, which was all Democrat. Well, not all Democrat, but majority Democrat has decided to keep, uh, well, to push the impeachment. Trump is technically impeached, but of course it has to go through the Senate and then it has to go through the Supreme Court if it's going to uh, stand. So it's not over, uh, but the Democrats have made that first step into possibly making it happen. That's what I'm going to say today. All right, y'all, if y'all looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com. E-L-J butler b-u-t-l-e-r 75 at gmail.com i also got a facebook page and a instagram as well you can uh, look me up there at l jamal ajani e-l-j-a-m-a-h-a-d-j-a-n-i once again that is l jamal ajani e-l-j-a-m-a-h-a-d a-D-J-A-N-I. I also got a Facebook page for the show directly as well at Never Out of Bound. All right, y'all, I'm calling a wrap for today. And uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out, one love, and I will holla at y'all later.